You talking about football? Yeah, football. NFC. North. Now let's talk football. Welcome back. This is Headed North, an NFC North podcast, and I'm your host, Detron. And this week, we have wrapped up week eight. It was a big test in L.A. for Bajan and the Chicago Bears. The Minnesota Vikings and the Packers collide in Lambeau. And Detroit returned to Monday Night Football to defend the den against Jimmy G and the Raiders. We're going to talk about all of that and more on this week's episode of Headed North Podcast. But first... Let's send you over to our sponsors. Our sponsor this week is OffRackShop.com. OffRackShop.com is an online thrift store. They have men's and women's clothing, shoes, accessories, and more. Usually about 300 items to choose from. So if you haven't already, check out our description for 15% off your next purchase at OffRackShop.com. So we're going to get it kicked off with the Chicago Bears. And the storyline coming into this game was Tyson Bajan would be starting for the second time in his career for the Chicago Bears. And everybody was sort of speculating on what his success could mean for Justin Fields moving forward, how safe is Justin Fields' job if Tyson Bajan could come out and give us a performance like he did in the previous week against the Raiders, where him and Dante Foreman put up, I don't know, 30 points on the Raiders uh, and gave him an L in Chicago. So everybody was really hyped about this, and and everybody wanted to know what this Shepard College product would do. And I'm here to let you guys know that Justin Fields' job is safe. Tyson Bajan came out and showed not a whole lot. Went to L.A. and L.A. decided to give him the same treatment that they gave the Raiders the week before and put up 30 points on the Chicago Bears. And there was no doubt left that Bajan was not Brock Purdy and he was not going to come in and replace Justin Fields permanently and that he is just a bridge over troubled waters so they can get Fields back and get him healthy. Looking at the stat line, Bajan delivered okay. He put up 25 for 37 passes, 232 yards. He had one rushing touchdown, no passing touchdowns though. He threw two picks, a fumble, a sack, and his QBR was 62. So not great. This also was the week that Dante Foreman decided to go back into hiding, I guess. He came back down to earth, whatever you want to call it. The week before, he put up three touchdowns. And this week, Nine rushes for 34 yards, one catch for two yards, and zero scores. And as a matter of fact, him and Roshan Johnson nearly had the same amount of catches, nearly had the same amount of yards. I think Roshan Johnson is actually the future of that running back position, and Dante Foreman is just like a compliment. Uh, But after that big performance the previous week, I was really hoping for much more than for him, and that's not what we got. There is some upside for the Chicago Bears, though. That performance from Cole Komet, 10 receptions on 10 targets, perfect. Everything you threw his way, he caught for 79 yards, but everybody else was just there. Mooney caught one pass, DJ Moore caught four of six for 55 yards, but no one really provided any kind of spark for the Chicago Bears, and it all started at the quarterback position. He just wasn't able to perform to the degree that they would have needed to perform against a high-powered offense like, I don't know, the LA Chargers. The Chargers are not the Raiders. The Raiders barely can get the ball down the field. The Chargers can do that in abundance. So this was already a pretty tough task for the Chicago Bears going into it, but it didn't get any better once they started the game. 
Defensively, though, Tyreek Stevenson had 10 solo tackles with two assists. TJ Edwards had nine tackles with four assists and a fumble recovery. Chicago Bears defense was actually trying to do what they could to keep them in the game, but they didn't get any sacks. They didn't get any interceptions. Justin Herbert cooked them for nearly 300 yards and three touchdowns in the air. Again, a tough task against a team that is high powered, can really sling the ball, put it downfield. It was just going to be a tough day for Chicago Bears, and clearly it was. So now looking forward, the Chicago Bears have a week nine game where they take on the Saints, and it is still believed that Justin Fields is going to be questionable. He's currently on the injury report, so I'm assuming that he's probably not going to make it into that game against New Orleans. So it looks like Bajent will lead the Bears into the Big Easy to take on the Saints. Who have also been pretty unimpressive. They're going one and two in their last three games. And unless something catastrophic happens at the top of the, sh- the division, Chicago Bears probably have pretty little chance of doing anything like making the playoffs or putting together a winning season. Uh, but I still have optimism because their next four games are the Saints and the Panthers, then the Lions, which is going to be a loss. But then they played the Kirkless Vikings. So there is a chance in this scenario that the Bears could win three of their next four games, which could lead them into their bye week at five and seven. Granted, that's not a great record. It's probably not going to win you any awards, but it's definitely a way to get the fan base back behind you if you can pick up a couple of wins against some teams that are also struggling. Next up, we had the clash in Lambeau. The Minnesota Vikings led by Kirk Cousins taking on the Jordan Love-led Green Bay Packers. And coming into this game, Minnesota was the talk of the town. They were on a two-game winning streak, knocking off Chicago in Chicago and then beating the 49ers to shock everybody in Minnesota. So the Vikings and their fans, rightfully so, were feeling pretty good about coming into this game. They were in a fight for the NFC North and they're really in playoff contention as they rolled into Lambeau to face the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay, on the other hand, was just hoping to change their fortune because they're coming off of a three-game losing skid behind losses to Detroit, Las Vegas, and Denver. Again, Las Vegas and Denver, two teams that they absolutely should have beat. So Jordan Love and company are really looking for something against the Minnesota Vikings. Give me something, Jordan Love. Help us get back to a respectable record for the Green Bay Packers. But you know what? It was not to be. This divisional game had a bunch of implications, but it worked out pretty much like you thought it would. Green Bay did not score points early, much like I mentioned last week. They've been outscored significantly in the first half of games this year, and for some reason believe that they are just going to make it up in the second half, and that has not been the case. Green Bay lost to Minnesota 24-10. to in the first half, Green Bay was only able to muster up a field goal. And that was that was it. Minnesota got a touchdown contribution um, from the running back that they recently added, Cam Akers. They got a field goal from Greg Joseph. Most of the action actually came in the third quarter where Kirko hit Hawkinson for a two-yard touchdown, and he also hit uh, Addison, the rookie, of course, is going to score because he's been scoring each of the last few weeks with a 20-yard strike for a touchdown as well. In the third quarter, Jordan Love got into the action as well. He got a connection with him and Romeo Dobbs for a touchdown, which was the only touchdown that Jordan Love put up in the air all game. 
Jordan Love finished 24 of 41 for 229, a passing touchdown, an interception, and he was sacked four times. Minnesota's defense was really stepping up this week. Jordan Love's QBR was 72.1. It was better than Tyson Bajant's, but not by much. But Kirko, on the other hand, put up 23 of 31 for 274, two touchdowns. He was sacked twice, but had a QBR of 122.2. And the Vikings put up forgettable yards on the ground because that's just what they do. After they released their running back in the offseason and took Madison on as the starting running back, it's just been a catastrophe on the ground for them. Nothing has really gone their way. They've been able to put together very few performances on the ground that would be memorable. But in the air, Kirk did his thing. He got KJ, 8 of 10 passes, caught for 99 yards. You've got TJ, who caught 6 of 9 attempts, 88 yards and a touchdown. And Addison caught 7 of 8 for 82 yards and a touchdown. So Minnesota's offense in the air was really working. Minnesota's defense, again, I mentioned that they stepped up. They did it in a big way. They got four sacks, two for Wanham, one for Donnell Hunter, and a half a sack going to Bynum and Phillips. The Vikings shut down Green Bay in the first quarter and in the fourth quarter and got a huge interception by Josh Metellus that was snatched from the rookie Jordan Reed, returned for 43 yards to the Green Bay 20-yard line, which is what eventually set them up to throw that pass to Addison. It was just a much better performance from the Minnesota Vikings than you probably expected and about what you expected from the Green Bay Packers. If you're a Green Bay Packers fan, it's just going to be a rough season, guys. I know I'm harping on it, but it's true. Bundle up. It's cold out there in Green Bay. All right, so now that we got all of the stats and things out of the way for the game, what do we care about? We care about something I haven't mentioned, which is Kirk Cousins' injury. Kirk Cousins is now out for the season. Tail end of the game, Kirk Cousin goes down with a torn Achilles. And he is no longer going to be quarterbacking the Minnesota Vikings. And I think you may have just watched the last game of Kirk Cousins in a Minnesota Vikings uniform. I don't think you're going to see him back next year because it is a contract year. Kirk is aging, coming off an Achilles. I mean, unless he gets on the uh, Aaron Rodgers game plan of how to come back off an Achilles injury, I don't think you're going to see Kirk Cousins in a Minnesota Vikings uniform again, which could be pretty depressing, honestly. But there are a lot of good quarterbacks in the draft this year. I might be getting ahead of myself just a little bit. They still got a 4-4 record. And sure, without Kirk and no JJ, it is going to be a really tough place to be right now for them. But they're going into one of their more favorable parts of their schedule. They got Atlanta, New Orleans, Denver, and Chicago ahead of them. So if there's one upside to Kirko going down, it would be that he went down just before the trade deadline. And so the Vikings could still potentially salvage their season by going out and acquiring a quarterback ASAP. I don't know if they're going to go with Hall, but I would be out searching for what options are out there and available to me if I were the Minnesota Vikings. That way I wouldn't have to scrap this whole season. But the Minnesota Vikings rolled Green Bay 24 to 10. Of course, in the process, losing Kirk really threatens to derail what they got going with this three-game winning streak that they have and potentially dashing some hope. So hopefully, Minnesota figures out something to keep their playoff dreams alive for this season. Green Bay, on the other hand, they're not in a tough place. They're in a very tough place. They now have the fifth-worst record in the NFC, 
a QB who is not playing up to the QB legacy in Green Bay. They don't have a future Hall of Famer coming in and telling everybody to relax. And they've got a pretty mid-slate of games coming up with the Rams, the Steelers, and the Chargers. All games that they could potentially win, but will likely lose. It's getting rough now. We're now getting into week nine, and the NFC North is really starting to take shape. And the Green Bay Packers are looking like they are going to be at the bottom of the division. Much like I said early in my prediction episode. And last but not least, we've got the Detroit Lions. Let me tell you about my Detroit Lions. We got punched in the mouth in Baltimore. And although a bunch of people were surprised by the performance, including me, there is no doubt, not a doubt in my mind or anybody in Detroit's, that this Monday night football game at home in Detroit was the perfect medicine for a true contender to bounce back. And bounce back, Detroit did. Detroit gave Las Vegas Raiders an introduction to their draft picks, Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta. Detroit put up a steady stream of field goals in the first and second quarter, but capped off the second quarter with an 18-yard touchdown pass to tight end Sam Laporta. Coming out of the half, yeah, Jared Goff threw an interception. It was an ill-advised pass in the direction of Amon Ross A. Brown that got picked off by Marcus Peters and ran back for 75 yards. But even with that, Detroit showed resiliency, came back right back down the field, 27-yard rushing touchdown by Jameer Gibbs, a fourth-quarter field goal by Riley Patterson, and boom, the game was iced officially. From a stat line perspective, Jared Goff completed 26-37 for 272, a touchdown, the interception I mentioned, and a QBR of 89, which isn't great, but isn't the worst thing that we've got in the NFC North. Now, I mentioned that they introduced him to Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs had 26 rushing attempts for 152 yards on the ground. He also had five catches for 37 yards and, of course, that touchdown. Amarase Brown had his normal allotment of consistent production, six catches for 108 yards. Laporta caught eight for 57 yards, and the defense basically stifled all of what Las Vegas wanted to do all game long. Talking about six sacks, two for Anzalone, Two for Lane McNeil, one for Tracy Walker, and one for Julian Aquara. Everybody was getting in on the action. Kirby Joseph got a pick, which, by the way, if I can say, that was the worst pass Jimmy G could possibly have thrown. I don't know if he just wasn't paying attention to the safety cheating over or if he just knew that Devontae Adams was going to somehow make a play, but you lofted up in double coverage why? I just don't understand why do that play unless you just don't see the safety, and that's got to be it, because there's no way that he thought that was going to be a good pass. But whatever, the Lions defense did their job. Jimmy G completed only 10 of 21 for 126 yards. They held Devontae Adams to one reception for 11 yards. You could see he was visibly upset on the sidelines toward the end of the game, and then Josh Jacobs only had 61 yards on the ground. The Lions are now 6-2. and 6-2. Two. Six and two. That means the Lions have the best record in the NFC North. They have the second best record in the whole NFC. And they are tied with the Chiefs, Dolphins, Jags, and Ravens for the second best record in the NFL behind 
Philadelphia. This is going into week nine, people. And I know some of you casual viewers are out there thinking, well, it's the Lions. They're going to do a very Lionsy thing. That's not going to happen. This team is legit. Really fired up. Sure, they lost in Baltimore. But who cares? Everybody takes a big L, right? And that doesn't keep you out of the playoffs. Definitely not going to keep you out of potentially going to the Super Bowl. And heck, it certainly won't stop you from winning the Super Bowl. Now, am I saying that's where the Lions are going? Not exactly. But I will tell you, I think I called 13 and 4 at the beginning of the season. We're lining up. We're lining up right now to be able to do that. The Lions still have uh, coming up after the bye week, which is this week, they're going to take on the Chargers, the Bears, and the Packers. This is a favorable schedule over the next couple of weeks for the Detroit Lions, especially after coming and getting a break and a week off this week. You can definitely look for the Lions to continue their winning ways heading into uh, week nine of a bye and week 10 where they take on the Chargers. All right, that's it for Detroit. Now, look, before I pass it over to Matt and spreading the field, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Matt, because you made me a couple extra dollars this week with your picks from last week. So if you didn't listen to last week's show, then you missed out. And if you did, I really hope you got those picks in early because he delivered you a perfect ticket. So we're looking for that again on this week's slate. So, Matt, tell them about spreading the field. This is Matt, your resident Vikings fan, and this is spreading the field. Now, Detron, we had a great week last week. We went three for three, got our second parlay of the year. Hey, you know what? We're back over 50%, 54.17% on the year. So I know I said something about flipping a quarter last week. Forget that. Come back to the podcast. Listen to the episodes. Come back on the advice we're giving you. You know, we're doing better than that quarter. So we're going to keep moving to 60%, hopefully. Lock of the weeks, we're actually at 57.14%. So even better on our lock of the weeks than overall. But over 50%, trying to give you some good advice. So before we jump into the games for next week, let's look back at week eight real quick. In the first game, we had the Chargers covering a minus eight and a half point spread, beating the Bears 30 to 13. Bajent throws two picks in this game. And that was kind of my fear is Bajent was going to come back down to earth a little bit. I feel like everybody wants their late round undrafted quarterback to be the next Brock Purdy. Mathematically, that's very unlikely. So Bajent coming back down a little bit was bound to happen. Chargers cover this easily. Uh, 30 to 13 and take care of that eight and a half point spread for us the second game we had the lions cover the eight points but man did they make us sweat it out detron i'm going back and forth on this game watching the lions come down and then they miss the field goal in the fourth quarter and give the raiders the ball back and i am on pins and needles the raiders have a drive now they're probably not going to win the game at this point but man, can they play spoiler to this parlay. Driving down the field, but the Lions defense came through for me. They stepped up. They get the ball back, and the Lions end up winning this game 26-14 to 14 and covering that eight-point spread. And that was the third game of the week, and it locked in the parlay. So thank you to the Detroit Lions defense for stepping up for us and making sure that we did not miss out on that this week. That would have really been a way to roll into Halloween with the Raiders coming in and just – destroying our parlay right at the end would have been the scariest thing i've seen all halloween the game that everyone was focused on this week though is not as much because of the score as what happened in the game game three our lock of the week vikings beat the packers by two scores but lose cousins for the year vikings fans i know how you're feeling because after this one i mean you're riding high off the fact you beat the packers by two touchdowns but, man, losing Cousins, the way we lost him, 
with the season looking like it was going to turn around, that is a tough loss. We're going to have to look and see kind of week to week. How does this quarterback develop, uh, the quarterback room develop going forward? And what does this offense look like when Cousins is not back there directing it and slinging the ball around? So they came through and covered it for us this week, but lots and lots of questions going into week nine. So let's jump ahead to the week nine games and see what we're picking. In game one, we've got the Packers looking to rebound versus the Rams. They're favored by three points, and the Packers have been back and forth all year. But in this game, I'm heavy on the Packers to win this by at least three points or more. Matt Stafford has a thumb injury that's probably going to keep him out this game. If it doesn't keep him out, it's definitely going to bother him. I don't think the Rams' backups have enough to come into Green Bay and win this game. And I don't think an injured Stafford not being able to grip the ball well is going to be the threat that it typically is. So give me the Packers in game one, minus three. Game number two, we have the Vikings traveling to Atlanta as a four and a half point underdog and rookie Jaron Hall looking to get the start in his first game. I know that there are lots of questions around Hall and this quarterback room going forward, but I think even with those questions going into Atlanta, there are so many weapons on offense that if O'Connell can put the can put Hall or Dobbs, depending on who's playing at the time, into a good position, I think this offense can still be dangerous. Um, the Vikings did trade for Josh Dobbs at the trade deadline from the Cardinals. While he's not going to start this week, the goal is to have him up enough on the playbook to where he is a potential play option. So look for Dobbs to come in the game at halftime if Hall's not clicking. You know, hopefully everything goes well. Hall comes out, has a strong game, and uh, you know starts, finishes, and wins this game for the Vikings. But if not, look to the Vikings to turn to Dobbs. But regardless of who's in there, I think O'Connell is going to maximize those weapons on offense, put these quarterbacks in a good position, and you know that's the offense is not even the reason I'm taking this Vikings pick. Vikings four and a half. I'm going to take those points because of Brian Flores and the Vikings defense. I think they're going to come out in Atlanta. They're going to step up. And I think they win this one for Kirk and just go out there and really take care of the Falcons offense. I don't expect a lot of points in this game, but give me the Vikings to take care of business. Give me the four and a half on the road in Atlanta in game two. And for our third game and the lock of the week, the Bears are seven and a half points underdogs on the road against the Saints. Now, the Saints did look like the better team if you just glanced at last week's results, but I think that is more due to the opponents that each team played. You know, the Bears, they had a lot tougher game last week with the Chargers. The Saints defense is very underwhelming. Um, They don't score a ton of points on offense, but their defense is known to give up a lot of points. I think that with the Bears seesaw that they've been on all season, the seesaw points back up this week, Detron. I think Bajant figures some stuff out after a couple bumpy games here. I think they come out, come to New Orleans. It's going to be a party in New Orleans for the Chicago fans, so get ready. Lock of the week, take the Bears, plus 7.5. So that's my picks for this week, Detron. Packers, minus 3. Vikings, plus 4.5. And Bears plus seven and a half. We're rolling with two underdogs, but we're staying NFC strong here in the North, taking all three North teams to win. Thanks again for having me, Detron. Until next week, Skull. All right, Matt, I am looking to go get my picks in immediately. So thanks for the heads up. And that's our show for the day. We appreciate you stopping by. As always, if you haven't already, tell a friend about the show. Like us, share us if you got an opportunity. And if you come back next week, which I hope you do, make sure you've got your bags packed because we are headed north. I'm Detron.
Peace. You talking about football? Yeah, football, NFC, North. Now let's talk football.